This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At the turn is brought to you by Vice Golf. Vice is a German company that makes premium quality golf balls for half the premium price. The Pro and Pro Plus were awarded a gold medal on Golf Digest's annual hot list, making Vice the only small company to win the magazine's highest award. Use the promo code TURN when you check out at vicegolf.com to get free shipping. That's promo code TURN. Golf balls shouldn't cost more than the round of drinks afterwards. What's your vice? This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello and welcome into episode 25 of At The Turn. Nick, did you think we'd make it this far? Of course. I mean, I plan on doing this into into my retirement years. (laughs) This is your primary income, is it not? Yeah, this is how I make all my golf balls. (laughs) Um, you know, it's funny because I was, as we were prepping for the show, this is the first time in our history where I didn't just know what episode number it was. I kept being like, "Ah, is it 24? Is it 25? I'm pretty sure it's not 23. I'll just put August 5th. So like for the first time, I wasn't like prepping for episode number 17. I was prepping for, uh, I don't know what it is. I'll just put August 5th. So yeah, I think when you get to that point, when you lose count, um, that's a good sign. It's a good sign. So we do have plenty to get to in today's episode. Uh, it is Sunday evening after the Bridgestone Invitational. Tiger Woods did not win that. Justin Thomas did. We'll touch on that. Uh, the fourth major of the year, the PGA Championship, Glory's Last Shot is coming up very soon, so we'll um, hit that. We're going to talk Tiger Phil. They have a date for their $10 million match. We're going to talk some youth golf. Steph Curry, apparently, is is in the golf news, at least as far as Nick is concerned. We're going to talk about the Ryder Cup, which is rapidly approaching, and any improvements you may have for the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's probably not a short list. Nick, let's start with the Invitational. Um, I want to be honest. I watched Tiger Woods play roughly nine holes in this golf tournament. I saw Justin Thomas chip in one, and that's all I saw. So what happened? Um, you know, I saw the Thursday and Friday rounds. Obviously, I was watching Tiger a lot. And then on Saturday, when the broadcast switched over from NBC to CBS, and um, I, I never switched over my CBS online subscription. <laughs> that, that was the last that I watched. I mean, I kept following it uh, on Twitter, and I kept checking the leaderboards constantly. Uh, at that point, it was clear Tiger was out of the hunt. 
Phil was out of the hunt and Justin Thomas had like a multiple shot lead. I mean, there was a couple guys up there, but it was, uh, I, I think pretty much from yesterday afternoon, Justin Thomas, he never, he ran away with it, but he had control of it. And I think he ended up winning by four or five shots. So, um, Another PGA Tour victory for Justin Thomas, a uh, WGC win for him. He's number two in the world. Um, very interesting. He's the P defending PGA champion, so we're heading into that next week. So he's clearly peaking um, at a, going into a major that he's already won. So, you know, good for Justin. It would be interesting to see uh, what he does next week. Yeah, and aside from Thomas winning, probably the other headline – Besides Tiger, not really contending over the weekend. He played well the first two days and got himself a little bit in the hunt, but then just shot a couple rounds over par Saturday and Sunday. And he does lead the PGA Tour in third-round scoring, so a little surprising that he didn't perhaps at least get himself more in the mix going into today. And uh, just another mediocre round for Tiger. Um, not, a, not a terrible finish, but you know the guys won this tournament eight times, so you'd expect him to do a little bit better. But my point is Roy McIlroy. He was in the final group, started three back. He would have had to shoot a pretty good number today, but he did not. He was over par and was never really a factor. And again, Rory lets another opportunity go by. He has won this year. He won at Bay Hill earlier in the year, but he, you know, aside from playing the final group at the Masters, he wasn't really a factor there on Sunday. So I don't know, man. Um, are, you, are you worried about Rory at all? No, definitely not worried about Rory. Um, I think he's actually uh, peaking right now, or he's, his game is on the upswing for sure. Uh, I watched, I mean, I saw quite a bit of him play, um, you know, for the first, you know, two and a half days of this tournament, and he's looking pretty good. I mean, obviously, he didn't have a great round today, but um, I think he's, I still think he's going to be a major factor. And Jason Day, obviously, uh, he was in the top five and he played with Tiger for two days, so he got a ton of airtime, but. Gosh, he looked really good, too. He looked really tough to beat. Um, so I think those are a couple guys, a couple guys who already have majors, who are playing really well right now. Justin Thomas, like I said before, is in that group. So there's some uh, some guys who have got have majors under their belts who are household names who I think are on top of their games going into the PGA. Yeah, it's kind of fun how the top two players in the world have won the last two PGA Tour events going into the final major of the year. You would expect both of them to be uh, heavy contenders, and, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But um, getting back to the Bridgestone, did anything else jump out at you? I mean, it just struck me as kind of a conventional Justin Thomas is playing really well, and unless someone goes crazy, they're not going to touch him, and that's exactly what happened. He ran away with it today. Um, I mean, the, the Tiger craze was kind, of, was kind of interesting because it was like there was kind of a definite moment where you just knew he was no longer in it, and I feel like I mean, for me, that's kind of when, like I said, when I stopped watching. It also uh, came in in connect connection with when CBS took over the broadcast. But I think it was like he was so in it and going into that third round. You mentioned his his uh, third round scoring average is best on tour, so people were thinking, okay, he's going to get right next to the lead, and he went the other direction. And it was just kind of like, all right, well, now it just kind of became another tournament. Yeah, it did, but still a nice win for for Justin Thomas. Not the fireworks we expected um, out of uh, El Tigre. Speaking of Tiger, before we get to the PGA, uh, Tiger and Phil have a little date. Yeah, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So they don't have a specific 
date yet, right? They said it's going to be Friday or either Black Friday or Saturday the next day. Oh, I settled on Black Friday, but maybe you're did right. They, did they said I, I, I could be wrong, but I kept seeing the headlines that said, oh, they have a date set. And then I clicked the articles and it's like, it's yeah, the date is either Friday or Saturday. So either way, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty solid. I'm really excited about this because when it was announced that they were going to play at a to-be-determined date, I just knew, I just was for sure it was like going to be some time I had to work or couldn't watch it. And I was already like thinking of excuses to get out of whatever obligation I was going to have. But I'm pretty sure my schedule could be, should be pretty easy to clear whatever day, Thanksgiving weekend. So um, I could be more pumped. It's going to be really fun to watch them play. Yeah, when we first talked about this, the idea was floated that perhaps they were playing for their own money. Now, it seems quite clear at this point that they are not doing that. Does that take any of the excitement out of it for you yeah it takes a lot of it out of it for me Good time right that was that was the thing i was like really i mean obviously tiger versus phil there's gonna be a huge audience but like when when you start talking about their they have a 10 million dollar bet going on for a match that's a whole nother level of something you've never fathomed before um so yeah it, it's definitely kind of a little bit of a buzzkill that that they're not putting up their, they're not writing their own check for this but um it's still gonna be really entertaining it is going to be fun. Something in the back of my mind is a little worried. What if Tiger and Phil, like, what if what if Phil wins but he shoots seventy five? That Joe, that's so realistic. It is so realistic watching them play. I mean, every weekend I turn on a tournament hoping that Tiger or Phil will be in contention, and they just kind of have ho hum, like yeah. you know, and that nobody's lighting anything on fire, and it's like. Yeah, that's a very real possibility. And that would be disappointing if, like, the guy who wins does not break par. Because yeah, that's just going to be kind of awkward. I mean, I, I, don't you think? Well, for sure. And it's not like these guys are totally done. Phil won a WGC event. He's in the top 10 in the, the FedEx Cup. I mean, make fun of that how you will. But that is in line with the money race. So Phil presumably is a top 10 money earner so far this year on tour. So he's not a bad year. He's won. And Tiger has exceeded expectations this season. He's already back in the top 50 in the world. He was leading the British Open on Sunday on the back nine. So it's not as though these guys have nothing left in the tank. It would just be kind of a buzzkill if neither one of them can shoot 68. And, you know, despite the success these guys have had, I've had an awful lot of Saturday and Sunday mornings where I have breakfast with Tiger and Phil instead of <laughs> Their rounds are on when I'm first getting up having coffee as opposed to in the middle of the day when they take over the national coverage and the leaders are actually, you know. Yeah, no, um, I agree. I mean, I think we're all hoping for a, like a Phil versus um, Henrik from the British Open a couple of years ago, yeah. where it's just like birdies matching birdies, you know, and who's going to who's gonna be the first guy to make a par. Um, yeah. I hope they set up the course pretty easy. You got to assume they, they'll set it up for birdies, don't you think? You would, I mean, you, you want these guys knocking down flag sticks. It, the idea that they would put this at a golf course that is set up difficult would just not make any sense. I mean, right. it will be an event. People who don't watch the Masters will watch this, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, and also, part of the appeal to that wider audience is it's one day. You know what I mean? It's not like right. if you turn on the Masters on Saturday, you're like, this. I, I don't know golf, and this tournament's not even going to finish today. <laughs> so why would I care? Exactly right. But like, if yeah. you turn it on and they're on the seventh hole, you know, you have two and a half hours to watch Tiger and Phil and, you know, you're probably going to tune in. So for sure, I agree with that. And it could, you know, yeah, I, I think it's a good point that they'll definitely 
set it up for scoring conditions. They'll make the par fives gettable. You know, they'll want to see somebody make an eagle somewhere in there. Um, yeah, de definitely. That'll make it more fun. So, Nick, uh, how about we save the PGA preview for after the break? And before we get to the break, we talk about youth golf. Does that sound okay? <laughs> that sounds good to me. Okay. So I've had very interesting experiences with some youth golfers recently. Um, I'll start with last weekend. So I was playing with my brother at a local muni here in Portland, Rose City. Shout out to Rose City. And the starter comes up to us before the round. He said, hey, just so you guys know, there's going to be a lot of junior golfers out here today. They're having a big junior tournament uh, the following day. And so there's a lot of juniors out there testing out the golf course. And we happened to get paired with one. It was a 14-year-old girl and her mother. Her mother was in the cart kind of being her caddy. And as the round went on, it was apparent that she was her coach. And I was like, okay, this would be fun. I hope, I hope she mops the floor with me. I hope she shoots, you know, 71 today. And I have a great time watching her just pound me into the ground. That didn't happen. Um, she, you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk, talk about her golf game. But, you know, she's a junior golfer. She probably shot in the mid-80s. That's fine. The reason I bring it up is I was very, very surprised because, again, she's probably 13, 14 years old. And for goodness sakes, her name was on her golf bag. So she plays a lot of youth <laughs> And I was blown away at her lack of etiquette. It was unbelievable, Nick. So I'll try to cite a few specific examples. It was nothing. I described it to my girlfriend. If you don't know golf and you watched her, you would never think anything of it. She never like stood in front of you or like talked or did anything like that. It was nothing egregious. It was very small things. So say I had like a five foot putt and I was away and she had a three footer on the opposite side of the hole. She would get down, line up her ball, go through her whole pre-shot routine as I'm attempting to putt. So again, it's nothing terrible, but these little tiny things add up over the course of a round. And by the end of it, you're thinking, oh boy, this young lady really needs to work on her etiquette. And it's just really surprising to me because I would have assumed that youth golfers would have excellent etiquette. I thought it would have been on the other side of the spectrum. And it... It just wasn't for me. Um, go ahead. Oh, well, what was her mom doing? Did her mom ever notice anything or say anything or like pull her aside or kind of hint to her at all? Or was her mom just as oblivious? I don't think her mom was oblivious. It almost seemed like she did not care. Like yeah. they were just very wrapped up in what she was doing as if she had no playing partners. Now, perhaps, and this is the cynical side of me that's going to think this, but perhaps because, you know, we're just a couple of schmoes out there. We're drinking beers. It's Sunday. We're having a good time. If they don't need to take it seriously, but I was just, I was just really blown away by the way that she was acting out there. So this is this this was the explicit reason why I want to talk about this topic because of her. Well, today I played in the North Portland Open, um, which was a tournament, gross tournament. They bill it as come play with the best players in Portland. Like it's it's very challenging setup challenging course and so uh, one of the people i played with today was a 16 year old kid and he could not have been more opposite from the experience i had last weekend he knew all the rules great etiquette he like initiated conversation he came over looked me in the eye shook my hand like this was a very very mature kid and i was very impressed by him throughout the course of the round i'll tell a story to my own detriment that will um, show kind of how impressed i was by him 
So first of all, the boy didn't win the North Open. Okay, I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> you, you, I see there's no trophy behind you. So. <laughs> there is no trophy behind me. Uh, I did not finish last. I finished tied for 55th. So that's, I assume that's respectable. I don't know how many people were in the field, but well, you know. it, it wasn't great. But we finished. <laughs> I didn't finish last. So that's a different. I'm excited for that. So the third hole, I struggled. <laughs> I put one in the drink. I hit one OB over the green. Oh, wow. um, I three putt. And so oh, I'm adding up my, I'm adding up my, 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 the score in my head. And I think, because, you know, it's a tournament, you exchange scorecards. So someone else is keeping my score. And I didn't realize it was the junior until this moment. But I ended up making a 10 on the hole. Not how you want to. <laughs> <laughs> on the North Point. Tough to bounce back from a 10, Nick. So I <laughs> I make the 10. We play another hole. He doesn't ask me his score, or my score, rather. And I parred the first two holes, so he didn't really need to ask me my score. He knew what I got. And we tee off on the fifth hole, so we, we, we played a hole already. And I walk up to his cart, and I figured enough time has passed. He was probably just letting me, you know, blow off some steam, kind of cool down, which I appreciated. And I look up where his his cart, his push cart, and he has the scorecard on it. And sure enough, he wrote a 10 down. He knew <laughs> no conversation was had, and he knew that I made a 10. I was just so impressed that he was so because he played well. He shot 77. He finished 10th in the tournament out of like 80 wow. people. So he, he yeah, he, he he played very well today. I guess there's just such a dichotomy between the two, you know, I I got both extremes. And I know those were long stories, but do you have any experience playing with youth golfers? And what what's what's been your experience? Well, it's funny because you put this on the uh, on the rundown for today's show, and uh, I had no idea what you're talking about. But I literally, for the first time in my life, played with a youth golfer within the last week. I was playing at my my local course, and uh, it was probably Monday or Tuesday, and um, it was really busy. I was playing by myself, and you know, I was. There was a kid in front of me who was a single, and then it was like a, a really slow foursome in front of them, him, and then a really slow foursome in front of him. And so by like the second tee or the third tee, um, we were both waiting on the tee. And the kid was, I, I pegged him for going into seventh or eighth grade, maybe ninth grade, I'm not really sure. Um, but he was extremely shy. So I kind of walk up to the tee, and he's standing there waiting, and I was, you know, letting him. I was giving him the opportunity to invite me to join up with him, which he did not do on that tee. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of oh. weird. So that hole was a par three. He plays it. I play it. Next tee, he's waiting on the tee. And the guys in front of us at this point are like, they're like hardly 100 yards in front of us. It's like older gentlemen who are having a hard time, like popping it out there into the fairway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so now I'm like, all right, I'm not going to do the charade the whole time. So I was just like, hey, um, and if I join up with you, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, but he, he really, I could tell it was out of his comfort zone for sure mm -hmm. because he was very shy. Um, and I felt, you know, I, I felt bad a little bit, but I'm like, you know what? It's golf. If you're going to play golf, this is a situation you're going to have to get used to. You're going to have to learn to deal with it. Might as well start now. Um, then he hit his tee shot out of bounds. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh, sorry, bud. Um, he plays the hole not very well. Next tee box, he shanks one like 20 yards off to the left and then like muffs his one trying to get back into the fairway. And I'm like, Shut up, dude. I'm like, am I putting the pressure on this kid? I don't know. I was just trying to be chill. But 
at the same time, there's no other way to go about it. There's there's no need for us to be waiting for each other to play each. You know what I mean? So yeah, and, and to your point, if you're gonna play golf, you have to be used to pairing up with people. It's just it's just part of it. And mm -hmm. I think for parents to and look, I was taking one situation and I'm extrapolating that this is how it works for youth golfers. But to the one I played with last weekend, where the etiquette was poor. I really think you're doing the kid a disservice if they're not used to playing with not only other juniors who also have names in their bag, but schmoes like us. It's important to get out there and mix it up and play with different kinds of people because not only because it's the right thing to do etiquette wise, but it also puts you in uncomfortable situations. And the more often you're in uncomfortable situations, the more comfortable you're going to feel. So I think it just is an important thing that I don't know. It sounds like your kid wasn't used to it either. Yeah. He wasn't, you know, um, but as you're saying, it has to happen. You can't just be sheltered if you want to enjoy golf as a hobby. Um, just to wrap up my story real quick so I don't completely throw this kid under the bus, he turned it around the rest of the, the, rest of the round. He had a good, good swing. He was a good player. I think he was just a little bit shook that, like, some guy approached him and was like, now, you're, now we're joined up. And um, he, he finished the round strong. He made a few more pars, uh, you know, in the last four or five holes. We were only playing nine holes anyways. Um, so, so that was all good, but I asked him a few questions, you know, to like, try to start conversations. Like, do you go to school around here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and he wouldn't be like, oh yeah, I'm a, going into eighth grade at so-and-so yeah. middle school. You know, like, no, just, just like yes or no answers. You, you play out here a lot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. So then I just stopped the last two holes. I just stopped because I could just tell, you know, like he didn't want to be talked to. He just wanted to, he just wanted to be done and his mom to pick up. Play golf. <laughs> yeah. So we did, and it was fun. I, you know, he, he no etiquette issues, uh, no attitude issues, nothing. He just was a shy kid who didn't want to play with me. <laughs> well, why don't we take a break here, Nick? We'll come back and talk about the 100th plane of the PGA Championship. As you know by now, we're on episode 25. At the Turn is sponsored by Vice Golf, and I just want to throw a quick shout out to all of our fans who have gone on to ViceGolf.com, use promo code Turn got free shipping on all of their gear, which helps me and Joe out. It helps uh, help support At The Term Podcast, and we really appreciate that. We appreciate all of our listeners. And if you want to get some Vice Golf Balls, gold medal winning golf balls, they've got towels, they've got gloves, they've got some really cool hats, um, a lot of swag out there at vicegolf.com. Visit them, use promo code TURN, and get free shipping. All right, the PGA Championship is coming up. Nick, this is a chance at redemption, not only for Tiger and other professional golfers, but also a chance for us to redeem ourselves. We were unable to give the patrons of At The Turn the winner of the British Open. We did successfully say that Patrick Reed and Brooks Kepka were going to win the first two majors of the year. Um, do you have people that you like at Belle Reve Country Club? Oh, you know I do, Joe. <laughs> um... So do you want well, to do it? Shall I start? We've kind of got a, a theme going where we just start at the bottom, bounce yeah. back and forth, and work our way to the top. So should we start with our dark horses? Who you got? Well, a guy we mentioned earlier in this podcast who um, has recently had a tendency to be less than amazing on the golf course, but nonetheless, a uh, I want to say five-time major champion. <laughs> one phil mickelson is my dark horse for the pga championship any uh any reason why 
Um, I just feel like he's the kind of guy who can turn it on for four days. And, um, you know, he gets his short game going. If he, if he can get his drivers squared up, um, you know, I think that he can be streaky and, and he has been a little bit down lately. But like you said, he won a w, WGC already this year. He is having a good year. If you look at his results and how he was doing earlier in the season and all things considered, he is having a good year. Um, so, yeah, he's my dark horse. So we did get a little bit ahead of ourselves. Real quick on Bell Reef, if you're not familiar with it, it is in St. Louis. They have hosted some majors. Gary Player won the U.S. Open there in 1965. They had the 1992 PGA Championship there. A couple of senior majors as well. So, um, you know, a little bit of lineage for Bell Reef in major championships. Um, okay, so that's out of the way. My dark horse. Uh, my dark horse is Tony Finau. Um, he's kind of in that category of almost not being a dark horse, but Tony Fino, I think, has only won one or two PGA Tour events, so he's not a favorite coming in. He's finished in the top 10 in all three majors up until now. Uh, I think he had another decent finish at the Bridgestone, and I think he's just a guy who continues to put himself in this position. The PGA Championship has some really random winners, like Sean McKeel and Rick Beam and Jimmy Walker. Like, I'm not saying Tony's one of those guys, but I also don't think he's going to win 15 tournaments in his career. Uh, I do think he has a chance at a tournament like this. So Tony Finau is my dark horse to win the PGA. All right. Um, good pick there, Joe. I think you picked him for another recent major, did you not? I think I had him for the British. Okay. Next year, 2019, maybe we maybe we do the uh, the like fantasy draft thing where you can only pick a guy once. Because we picked Ricky a lot. I picked Joaquin Neiman a lot. Um, just, just throw it out there. Uh, <laughs> You're abusing your power to pick Joaquin Neiman, Nick. I know, and I know he's actually in this tournament. There was a news article that he like got a special exemption from the PGA, so he's definitely playing this week. He'll probably win or at least contend, and I'm not picking uh, him. Uh, not to ruin my my contender or my winner, but neither of them are Joaquin Neiman. Do you get push alerts about Joaquin Neiman on your phone? Yeah, Joaquin Neiman, Patrick Reed, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> your contender. Uh, my contender is John Rahm. Um, Gosh, we don't talk about this guy enough on this podcast, but he's number five in the world. He's in contention very often. He's going to be a multiple major winner in his career, in my opinion. And uh, why not? Why not start now? Okay, I like it. Yeah, Rom's very solid player. Um, my contender. We don't have the rule about picking someone more than once in twenty eight. <laughs> So I'm going to take advantage of that, and my contender is none other than Ricky Fowler. <laughs> Look, we're broken records at this point. Just win a major, Rick. Come on, just just do it already so we don't have to keep picking you. There, it, it's really tough to justify not picking Ricky Fowler, so I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say Ricky Fowler is my contender. I mean, yeah, he, he's another guy who's going to win a major. Um, so, yeah. Um, my winner of the 2018 PGA championship, Justin Rose. I'm uh, he's number three in the world. I believe he's, he's been playing very well. Another guy he's been hot lately. I, I think the last couple weeks he's been, um, I haven't seen his name at the WGC. I don't know if he had a great week this week, but um, gosh, he got himself right into contention at the British. Um, he's, he's very close to being number one in the world. I'm not sure if a win this week would, bring him to number one in the world, especially since Justin Thomas just won and DJ just won the week before that, and those are the two guys ahead of him. But um, 
I know, I know he's very close there, and I mean, that's a big goal of his, and he's got the game to do it. I know we have some fans from across the pond who listen to the show. Thank you, first of all, for supporting us. But second of all, Justin Rose, as great as he is, and I feel like I go on this rant like once every five podcasts, so I'm probably due. I find him to be just the most boring golfer. Greatness has never looked so boring. No, I, I agree 100%. Like it, I don't look forward to seeing his name at the top of the leaderboard because I'm like, all right, this isn't going to be fun. This is not going to be thrilling. But he just, he just strikes me as the epitome of a like mechanical, robotic golfer. Like He's not someone who has a lot of flair in his game. He just is excellent, and when he makes putts, he has a really good chance to win, and when he doesn't make putts, he finishes like 10th, and that's yeah. basically Justin Rose. Yeah, absolutely. My pick to win uh, is also a Justin. Mm, I wonder which one. <laughs> Justin Thomas, I think he's going to defend. He looks great. Um, when Justin Thomas wins a tournament by multiple shots, you just expect it to happen. Like, when I saw that he had a three-shot lead going into today, let me, let, let me put it this way. If Rory had a three-shot lead and Justin Thomas was in the final group playing with him three shots back, as opposed to the situation today, I would bet on Justin Thomas in that situation 100 times out of 100. I think he is a different caliber of player than Rory McIlroy, certainly right now, and maybe will be for the duration of his career. I mean, over the past two years, I know Dustin Johnson is number one in the world, but Justin Thomas, obviously at number two, is right there with him. I think he's won like eight times. He's won a major. Uh, he won this World Golf Championship event. He won, might have won more than eight times. He just is one of the hottest players in the world. He is someone who rips off multiple tournaments in a row. Um, he seems to win in bunches. So I really think Justin Thomas, I know he's not the betting favorite, but he kind of might be going into this week. So, uh, uh, Justin Thomas, your winner of the 100 PGA championship. Nick, do you want to recap your, I, um, hold on. I have a couple, I have a couple points to make on your, on your pick yes, of there. Course. First of, of all, I love that you're on the Justin Thomas train because it was a while there where yeah. you were like, gosh, Nick, why are you obsessed with this Justin Thomas guy? What's, the, what's the deal? And now, you know, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. So that's, good. I am, I am. Uh, you have been for a while. Um, yes. He does win in bunches. I believe when he went on that Hawaii swing in 2017, I believe he won both of those tournaments. And that's kind of when he exploded onto the scene. Um, and he's really hasn't, hasn't stopped since. So, yes, uh, I love that pick. We picked him, I think, to win every other major this year also. So uh, <laughs> no, yes. one, no one picked uh, Jason Day. No, but he's, he's a good, you know, him and, and also um, – DJ, the fact that you mentioned that yeah. they won the last two tournaments, that does add a whole other level to this that's going to make it more exciting. So how to make your PGA Championship more exciting? Have the top two guys in the world win the two weeks before the tournament. So, yeah. Dude, uh, yeah. On, on, on DJ real quick, I, uh, I mean, dude's won 19 times in his career. I got to be honest. I don't really consider him at, like as someone I want to – like. if he wins a major, that's no surprise. He's the best player in the world. And – the best player the last 10 years. Um, but I just don't consider him like someone who's going to win a major, like going into a major. Does that, does that make sense? Um, yeah. Like you don't consider him to be your favorite, like an overwhelming favorite. 
Not even a favorite. Like, there's probably five, six guys I would pick over him to win this tournament, even though he's the best player in the world, just because he's, he hasn't done it enough. He's been in major, he's been in a lot of opportunities to win majors and doesn't do it. And I think this is going to be a, a pretty intense criticism, but, and without looking at his wins, who knows, maybe it's unfounded. It just feels like a lot, he, he beats a lot of, average fields like he, he like he's the, got a bunch of john deere classic trophies in his show. like he won the canadian open i think for the third time i mean that's a pretty weak field they have up there these days um i mean the the people who were trying to run him down were like you know kevin na and like samoon bay and like decent players but not justin thomas and rory mcelroy and justin rose he just um he just kind of compiles wins against you know decent fields and when it comes time to the majors, he he hasn't won enough at this point. Well, yeah, I would agree with you. That is a very intense criticism. <laughs> Thank you. Do you do you disagree with it? Um, I I haven't done enough research to really um, chime in on that too much. But you know, yeah, he hasn't won. I mean, actually, no, I'm gonna take that back. He has all four WGCs. I mean, cool. You know, <laughs> well, those are strong fields, Joe. Sweet. I mean, that's like saying, "Oh, Ricky hasn't won a major, oh, but he's won a players." Like, congratulations, well, he's won the players championship. Yeah, but if he had four players championships, you'd be like, "Well, okay." You wouldn't say he's just beating up on cupcakes. No, I wouldn't. But it's also like, you know, <laughs> these are nice, but they're not major championships. Everyone yeah, but here, it's, but it's it's the strength of the field is probably just as good. If you're talking about the the level of competition that he beats, the WGCs are just as tough as the majors. Sure, and you could even argue they have better fields than some of the majors because, like, the Master has so many amateur. Yeah, and they're more exclusive. I mean, it's harder sure. to get in. I mean, Tiger Woods yeah. almost didn't get in. Exactly. So, I, so you know it's good. <laughs> I no no I <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but the fact is, Dustin Johnson is going to go down as probably the best player of this generation. Maybe Spieth and Thomas will have something to say about that. Um, just by the sheer number of wins. I mean, he's probably going to win 40, 50 times in his career. But if he has less than five major championships, Phil Mickelson is going to be considered a better golfer than him of all time. And I think that would be a disappointment because Dustin Johnson has, as good as Phil is, Dustin Johnson at his peak blows Phil out of the water. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's an interesting debate we could go on for, for a long yeah, time about, about should. who should have had the higher ceiling, you know, DJ or Phil. I mean, Phil's ceiling obviously is, is behind him, but um, I, I think it's pretty strong to just assume that, that it's DJ because, I mean, Phil, if it wasn't for Tiger Woods, would have been number one in the world for probably five years or three years. Yeah, but Dustin Johnson has all the tools that Phil does, and he hits fairways. Phil never hit fairways. <laughs> Phil, Phil, Phil won the Masters three times, sure, and, and you know he's he's won five majors. But Phil's Phil's career is pretty much over at this point. I mean, if he's going to give, he'll probably give one more major a scare. Maybe at one at some point, he may never win again. So we're kind of getting close to the end of Phil's PGA Tour career. Dustin Johnson, we have like fifteen. He's like thirty-one or thirty-two. We have like fifteen solid years of him being in his prime still, and he's just the best athlete on tour. So I think that his longevity will outlast Phil's, despite that Phil, <laughs> despite the physique that he's in, has managed to have a very, very long career on the PGA Tour. So I know we're getting a bit of a tangent here. Um, I'm just trying to 
say that I think DJ is a great golfer. I just don't think that he's going to win the PGA Championship this week. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. No, this is, that was that was good. Um, yeah, that, that's a good conversation. We maybe we'll come back to that another time. We should Sometimes revisit that like over the winter. That sounds like a good winter conversation. Yeah, for sure. Like who like past who, and present should have the better career when it's all said and done. Right. Like if you like who has a higher ceiling. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Let's, let's let's put that in the in the on the back burner and come back to that. Um, so you want to talk about how to improve the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, I'll start here. Can you improve something that's so bad? Yeah, I mean there's there's so much there's nothing but room for improvement, you know, and and I was reminded I'm just the, the only reason I do this podcast, Joe, is so once a year I can complain about the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's time. Um, so it is time, you know, get ready for the next month because that's all we're going to talk about. It's just, it, it just drives me crazy that, that like your system for determining a champion is like the eighth most important thing of your whole season. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, so I don't know. I just wanted to, I don't have like, a blueprint for how to improve him, but I've got some, I mean, obviously I think match play at some point needs to play into it. I think you should have to win the tournament that determines your champion to be the champion of your league, um, which is not a prerequisite for this, which doesn't make sense to me. I think that you should have to beat the field. And if it's match play, even if it's four or the last two or the last 16, put them in a bracket, then you have to win. And if you, and if you get beat, then you got beat. Go talk to Virginia. <laughs> I think that they're, they're way too conventional with how they run this. Like, you have a chance to get crazy. Don't just make, like, more golf tournaments. It's football season. No one cares about golf at this point. Like, once the PGA Tour ends, or the PGA Championship ends, I know you have the Ryder Cup coming up in a month, and that's its own deal. People are into that. But you still have this thing that's only been around, you know, a decade or more. Um, it doesn't really matter. Like, the amount of money a guy wins doesn't compel me as a viewer to care more. That's Just exactly the argument they always make. And, and that's what I was going to say next. I agree 100%. They say, this is for $10 million. I'm like, yeah. I don't really care. He should, he should want to win because it's important, not just because of the paycheck. Yeah. What do you think matters more to the guys playing Augusta the like 1.8 million dollars or the fact that you wear and own a green jacket exactly there's, there, there's no other event or no other situation that they're they're constantly reminding you every 30 minutes how much the the payday is and like I, I think a guy would rather like have a, a crucial role in his country winning the Ryder Cup than be the FedEx champion, to be perfectly honest. I think there's more importance on that. And there's more importance on so many other things. Yeah. I mean, if you asked Roy McIlroy, would you rather win the FedEx Cup or go 4-0 in the Ryder Cup in South <laughs> America? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, something like you boil the field down to 10 people and you play 18 holes and the winner wins the FedEx Cup. Like, just do something weird. It's not like you have to follow the set structure of a PGA Tour schedule or season. They encumber themselves because they feel like they have to stick to this script that we're used to all year long. When really, they should go the opposite way. Put, like, I mean, you see the wacky stuff the European Tour does. They do, like, these, you know, 
big stadium events and they put like shot clocks on and they do all kinds of funky stuff. The PGA Tour would do well to take notes from them. Make it weird. Make it different. Another, again, $10 million, a 30-man field. This stuff doesn't get me excited when football's on. No, I, um, yeah, I, I think, I just had a thought and I lost it. I, I just think that um, they're, they're convinced that since you play stroke play events all year, that you, that's how you have to determine your champion. And I think a little bit of straying from that would, would do them well. So anyways, more, more to come next week on Apple Turn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to close up shop with Nick's favorite professional golfer, two-time MVP of the Golden State Warriors, Stephen Curry. Um, Nick, what's the news? Um, he's he's going to be back on the um, web.com tour. This, oh, thanks, God. He's the same tournament from last year. Gosh, I is it like Ellie May or something? I hope I got that right. I think you did. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, he played in it last year. And it's funny because maybe I just haven't been paying attention as much, but I don't think that's true. Last year when he was in this event, there was like a huge social media, like not protest, but there was people who were upset that he was like taking some of his spot and there was a lot of opinions flying around. And this year, I haven't seen really much about it, but um, he's playing again this week. And um, last year he did not finish last and he got some uh, world golf ranking points and I expect him to do the same again this week. I hope he beats a few guys and uh, maybe gives the cut a scare. It's just fun to, it's just fun to see a guy who is arguably one of the three best in the world at basketball compete with like the second tier in the world, the golfers and beat some of them. I just think that's, that's pretty incredible. I mean, if you think about how elite the guys in the web.com tour are and that they spend like their full-time job is to be as good as possible at golf. And Steph Curry like does it in his off season from the NBA and beats a handful of them. I think that's pretty cool. It is cool. Um, a couple things. I think that there's probably less noise this year because he acquitted himself last year very well by putting together some decent rounds. I think he went like 74, 74, didn't he? Like, it's not so, like he yeah. blew himself out of the water. Yeah. So he, he showed that while he's not to the caliber of those golfers, that he certainly can show up, put a good number on the board, bring a lot of attention to an event that otherwise wouldn't get it. and. What's the harm? You have a celebrity. You got someone, there, someone out there people want to see. And from Steph's perspective, it lines up very well because you're probably like six weeks out from NBA training camp. All the hoopla of summer league and the draft, everything's died down. You're in that dead period. So, I mean, what's Steph been doing the last two weeks? He's probably been playing 36 holes every day. <laughs> I mean, this is no doubt. He just played in that like celebrity event a couple weeks ago. And I think right. he was like finished tied for 10th, which Tony Romo won. I'm surprised you didn't mention that. Look. Get me out of bed when Tony Romo makes the cut in the PGA Tour event, okay? okay. I uh, no, I mean, look, he he didn't didn't he win a? Um, I feel like he won a tournament by like nine shots recently. Yeah, Tony Romo. Wait, he, did. he did. Yeah. Did we not? Talk? We, we we tweeted about it. We tweeted about it. That was like maybe a month ago. Yeah. Wait, a month? That was a month ago. Yeah, because it was a couple weeks before oh. that celebrity event, and that was a couple weeks ago. And, and I just remember, and I just remember, I, I clicked on the the headline, and the writer who was writing this article was a Giants fan, and she put something in there like, 
He, he had a lead. Even Tony Romo couldn't blow. <laughs> no, just, just, just give the man credit. Okay, so it was a month ago. Oh, my God. I, I've spent way too much time in the sun this weekend. Um, Nick, I have, I, have, I have no more thoughts to share. It is approaching midnight as we record this <laughs> where you are. Um, I spent, not only did I shoot, so, okay, so I'm, I'm just going to tell you. I shot 95 today, all right? Ooh, whoa, that's not yeah. what I was expecting. No, that was my, that was my worst. I, I thought you were going to say, like, you, you made a 10, but then you bounced back, made some birdies, and shot like 77. Oh, that would have been a much better story, but I yeah. can't tell that one. Yeah. So, yes. 95 beat 30 people? It's a tough course, baby. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's fair. Okay, cool. Track out there. I'll tell you what, someone who played in a PGA Tour event and is a local stick around here um, shot 80 in the tournament today. So wow. it's not like it's not like it. I mean, I'm not going to try to justify 95. The worst part about it was a 95. It took literally. I'm not exaggerating. It was a six hour round today. Oh, that's so bad. That's so it was bad. so brutal. Oh, Just standing on a 14 t already, like you know, seven <laughs> over for the day. Like, all right, another swing. Here we go. <laughs> Joe, you texted me that there was live stats for this uh, tournament, and. Yeah. Gosh, I, I I Googled it. I Googled North Portland Open, but all that would come up was like the Winco Portland Open. I couldn't find anything. Ah. So I, I would have pulled it up and saw your 10 right away and just, uh, I don't know what my reaction would have been. Yeah, you would have seen it in the first half hour and it's like, okay, I guess I don't need to follow Joe anymore today. Yeah, I might as well just follow Tiger at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's put a ball on it. That is episode 25 of At The Turn. want to remind you... Promo code TURN, T-U-R-N, gets you free shipping of Vice products anywhere in these United States of America. Go to vicegolf.com, get your balls, get your hats, get your towels, your bags, your umbrellas. They got it all these days. Um, Nick, what do you want to say? Um, I'm going to give the PGA Championship a fair chance. I know we rag on it all the time, but I'm going to give the PGA a chance. I'm going to give the PGA a chance. All right, an up-and-comer in the 100th year of the PGA Championship. Uh, thank you all again for listening. Thank you to Nick for staying up very late to record this podcast on a Sunday evening, and uh, we will see you all next time on Epic Turn. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at the Turn. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.